Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to episode 77 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. I hope this episode finds you well, and I thank you for giving me some of your time today. Speaking of today, this episode is dropping on December 10th, which happens to be Dewey Decimal Day, so I thought we could do a book theme to celebrate. I have no ado for today, so let's crack open today's phrases, origins, history, and more. Let's begin with something old. The oldest trick in the book means that a way of tricking someone has been used over and over for a long time, and yet it's still effective. It makes sense, because if something is old and well-known, it shouldn't still work as a way of deceiving someone. Yet people often fall victim to well-known scams and time-tested trickery. For a saying about old things, this phrase, at least idiomatically, doesn't appear to be that old. Although it's likely older than it seems because no one has ever tracked down its true idiomatic origin. That being said, it's at least as old as 1936, as we find it in a debate from the UK House of Commons. A man identified simply as Mr. Ashton said, quote, it is the oldest trick in the book to denigrate by abuse when one does not have a brief. End quote. Again, it's highly unlikely that this was the first time this term was ever used. It's just the earliest written idiomatic version of it I found. So, while the idiom is a bit up in the air, what about the trick itself? Is there an actual oldest trick in the book? And, for that matter, is there an actual book? According to some, yes to the trick and no to the book. The trick is believed to be the cup and balls routine, also known as the shell game. This is where a ball or similar small object is hidden under one of three items like a cup or shell, which are then moved around quickly. You win by being able to keep up with the ball and guess which cup it's under. You lose if the person performing the trick is able to keep the ball hidden from you and you guess the wrong cup. That's the trick. Now how about the book? Well, the book it was first believed to be written in was actually a wall. While excavating an ancient Egyptian burial chamber, archaeologists found an illustration on a wall. The image depicted what looks like a version of this game of misdirection. So, while the history of this saying is a bit ambiguous, the oldest trick itself can be traced way back into old-timey times. Now, let's look at the cover. The idiom, don't judge a book by its cover, means that you shouldn't form an opinion about someone or something based solely on what they look like. The idea behind this one is pretty straightforward. The cover of a book is not always a good way to decide if you'll like a book or not. This idea can easily be translated to people, as the outward appearance of a person is not always a good reflection of their personality. This one is way older than I thought it would be, or at least a version of it is. 
In the 2nd century AD, a Roman satirist named Juvenal wrote satires, which was a collection of satirical poems. He included this line, quote, Fronti nulls feeds, end quote. This translates to never have faith in the front. Personally, I like his version better than the modern-day one. Anyway, speaking of the modern-day version, in 1860, The Mill on the Floss was published by George Eliot, also known as Mary Ann Evans. Under her pen name of George Eliot, Mary Ann wrote seven novels. In addition to her novels, she also wrote poetry and did work as a journalist and a translator. In The Mill on the Floss, a character says you can't judge a book by its cover while discussing a book, and this is believed to be the first time the modern-day idiom was used in writing. That's all there is to this one, so let's move on to the inside of books. A bookworm is someone who loves to read. These days, the idiom is often said as a compliment, describing someone who is well-read. However, when it first appeared in the vernacular, to be called a bookworm was an insult. It meant you read or studied too much, which, for some reason, was looked down upon. There are some insects that eat books, and since a lot of people don't like bugs or worms, it's easy to see how the negative aspect came to be. Eating can be said as devouring, so this idiom does make sense, as if you read a lot, it can be said that you're devouring books. Though I couldn't track down who first may have said this one or who wrote it down first, it does seem to have been in use since at least the 16th century, so it's been a minute. What interested me the most about the history of this idiom is that there's no such thing as an actual bookworm. I know I just got done saying that there's some insects that eat books, but allow me to elaborate. There are book-eating insects, yes, just no actual worm that partakes of pages. And actually, the book bugs aren't technically eating the book itself. The various moths, beetles, and larvae that whittle away at words are really eating teeny bits of mold and other organic matter that form on books that aren't kept properly cleaned. The old-timey times practice of using leather to bind books made a prime environment for mold to grow, especially if the books weren't properly maintained. As a side effect, the pages may be worn down as the bugs bite at the mold. On the other hand, some beetles bore through the wood of shelves and book bindings, and may bore through the paper as well. Any of this activity can give books a munched-on appearance. Now that books are bound with less leather and wood and more paper and glue, the tiny terrors are less attracted to the shelves. But even if bookworms aren't really a thing, and the bugs that do the damage aren't as big of a nuisance anymore, the saying hasn't lost any popularity. So keep on devouring those books, toppers. The worms aren't going to do it. Okay, toppers, so I'm not going to do this for every episode, but often I have phrases that I want to do that just don't have much history to them, either because it's been lost or it's just an extremely straightforward saying. But instead of always leaving them out, I'm going to start including them sometimes, and I'll refer to them as the turn of phrases tidbits. Today I have two tidbits for you, so here we go. Today's first tidbit is to take a leaf out of their book. 
As I mentioned in episode 28, a page in a book can also be called a leaf, especially in old-timey times. This used to be literal, meaning you were plagiarizing. Over time, it lost its negative connotation and became just a way to say that you do something like another person. Today's other tidbit is to read between the lines, which comes from a form of cryptography, where a message was literally hidden between lines of text. This was typically done with invisible ink. The person sending the secret message would write a normal letter, then write the true message in the invisible ink in between the visible lines. The person who received the message would have to read between the visible lines to understand the true message. That's it for today's tidbits, toppers. Now it's time for today's familiar quotation. Toppers, today's familiar quotation is from Confucius. Here's what he had to say about books. Quote, You cannot open a book without learning something. End quote. Thank you, Confucius, for giving us today's familiar quotation. All right, Toppers, it's time for today's for better or for words. Love advice from old-timey times. Just a quick disclaimer. Remember that this advice is over a hundred years old. While some of the advice is still good today, I don't necessarily agree with every tip I read from these books. It's for entertainment purposes only. With that out of the way, let's hear from the ladies first. Don't profess to care nothing about politics. Any man who is worth his salt does care, and many men learn to despise women as a whole because their wives take such an unintelligent attitude. And now for the men. Don't try to take all work and worry off her shoulders. You can't attend to her business and your own too. Alright, Toppers, that's going to do it for episode 77. Thank you for lending me your ears today to turn some phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you learned something along the way. Check out my website, turnaphrases.com, to find out information about the show's social media, how to send me topic suggestions, how to support the podcast, and for details about the music I use in the show. If you had a good time listening, please consider subscribing or leaving a rating and review. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast, researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, I hope you can get lost in a good book. Toodaloo! Let me rephrase. This is where a ball or similar small object is hidden under one of three cups or shells, etc.
I don't like the way that sounds. I'm going to change that. This is where a ball or similar small object is hidden underneath one of three things like a cup or a shell. No, that still sounds bad. Let's change it. Or at least a version of it is. <laughs> nope. In the 2nd century AD, a Roman satirist named Juvenal... Yeah, I guess that's it. Mm, looks right. A Roman satirist named Juvenal wrote... That's not what he wrote. A Roman satirist named Juvenal... Juvenal. I think it's Juvenal. Why do names exist? <laughs> In the 2nd century AD, a Roman satirist named Juvenal... Named Juvenal wrote satires. Satires. Satires? There's an E on the end. No, I think it's just still satires. Okay. In the 2nd century AD, a Roman satirist named Juvenal wrote sat... sat <laughs> Why can't I say this word? Quote, personally... Oh, <laughs> I just skipped the entire quote. There are book insects... That's not a word. There are book ins... Nope teeny bits of mold and other organic matter that form on books that aren't kept clean proper nope and many men no, no, no. 